Welcome to the Sensitive Shift Podcasts. We're your hosts, Agap and Anna. We are highly sensitive people, and we wondered how sensitivity is impacted by gender identity. Today, we're exploring the themes of sensitivity at its intersection with gender, gender norms, and stereotypes. We will share our perspectives and experience from where we sit while acknowledging that we don't represent an entire gender, nor can we accurately represent all voices from the spectrum of gender. That's our disclaimer today. Yes, very important one as we enter these conversations. Mm -hmm. Anna, how are you today? (laughs) I'm so good. I'm really excited to talk about this topic and what a topic what a topic (laughs) i think we'll we'll probably bring it back because there's so much to say and so many voices and perspectives to include yeah exactly i think um this is a topic that could be the theme of an entire season alone because there is so much to say so much to unpack so really we are just starting a conversation here to um, get us in the mood of what we're talking about. This passage I want to read is, it's from a book that we'll talk about today, about uh, the highly sensitive men. But I want us to, to start with this because it will make us think a little bit about the breadth of what we're talking about. So it says, what would happen if men started to take more notice of their emotional needs and to verbalize them? If they showed the full spectrum of their feelings, not just anger and rage, but also loneliness, sadness, helplessness, joy, and excitement. If our society was completely open to boys and men being emotional and sensitive and saw these qualities as something something attractive and masculine, Just imagine if men were able to steadily free themselves from the strict categories of what is typically masculine and typically feminine and be less defined by them. So we'll definitely talk about that. (laughs) Mm -hmm. I have some feelings about that already. Mm. Do you want to share a little bit those initial feelings? Because I think one of those questions First questions I was going to ask you, Anna, actually, was how do you feel about this topic offhand? (laughs) Yeah, I think without even putting a label on the emotion just yet, I have just like a warmth that I feel Mm. in in hearing this and almost like a a hope for the freedom that the kind of world that would be Mm. with that fluidity and acceptance that you just described Mm -hmm. in that in that passage i think the Mm -hmm. word is warmth that's the first thing Mm. so of course there are limitations to having two people identify the same in discussing this topic on the podcast and also we can tell you about our lived experience through this lens and and the research that we've done on on the topic and 
as Anna said, we know we can't represent all cisgendered women, of course, uh, <laughs> in the world and, and their experience of sensitivity because of all the other interactions that this trait has with so many other parts of our of ourselves, and um, and we also can't accurately represent other gender diverse voices. We'll just try to have a conversation about about all of it. You know, what I think would be great is maybe defining the difference between gender and sex, which I think can be quite confusing at times and why we're deciding to focus on gender specifically. I think our, our conversation today, unfortunately, will probably reflect the very binary world that we live in. But in fact, gender exists on the spectrum and gender is a societal construct. So before we get there, I'll um, define the difference between sex and gender. And this is according to the Canadian Institutes of Health Research. So sex is a set of biological attributes in humans and animals. So we're really talking here about physical and physiological features. So that includes our chromosomes, our gene expressions, our hormone levels and function, and our reproductive and sexual anatomy. So we talk about categorizations such as female or male and the variation in, in the biological attributes that comprise sex and how those attributes are expressed. Gender refers to the socially constructed roles, behaviors, expressions, and identities of girls, women, boys, men, and gender diverse people. So it influences how people perceive themselves and each other how they act and interact, and the distribution of power and resources in society. Mm. Gender identity is not confined to a binary, girl, women, boy, men, nor is it static. It exists along a continuum and can change over time. And there is a, a lot of diversity in how individuals and groups understand, experience, and express gender through the roles they take on, the expectations that are placed on them, and their relations with others, and the complex ways that gender is institutionalized in society. So I hope that helps in understanding the difference between sex and gender, and why we're talking about gender in this conversation, because we're really going to talk about uh, constructs and expectations and um, power, mm -hmm. but we can we'll see throughout this conversation how there's been a lot of confusion placed between sex and gender and power that has been attributed. Are there a few things about your experience of the world as a woman that? intersex with being highly sensitive that you can share with us that is that has been quite striking to you mm -hmm. i do think that my sensitivity 
and my perception of being more feminine, I do see a connection there. And I want to say that I almost embrace some of the femininity and some of the sensitivity in similar ways. And I see how they interact. And so I'm aware of not wanting to kind of like play into stereotypes while I'm saying this. Um, and, and I have some learning to do as well, or, or potentially some growth to do as well. But I think some of the, the qualities that I value the most about myself sometimes, like uh, empathy, like mm. being the kind of person that's carefully considering and decision-making, mm -hmm. being the kind of person that has an appreciation for nature and beauty and these kind of things are also linked to my mm. feminine side, which is something that I really like about myself as well. So I see that in a really positive way. And I think there's almost like some privilege in that mm. to be someone who's, I almost want to say, conforming to gender norms in my sensitivity. Mm -hmm. I like that you pointed it out that way, because we'll talk about how it seems to be different for men, right? And again, our conversation is going to be quite binary, right? With traditionally um, people who identify as women and traditional people who identify as men. And what it, what has been our experience as women in both the fact that in some ways it's more socially accepted for women to be sensitive. And so there is a privilege around the fact that our expression of sensitivity will be looked at a certain way and thus accepted a certain way. There's advantages to that and then there's disadvantages to that. And then same with men, right? There's There's a whole history there to unpack. There's a whole culture shift there to unpack as well. This leads really well to me asking you as well, in what way has this privilege, has this privilege expressed itself for you? So in what way has being sensitive and a woman been helpful to you? And then when has it not been? That's actually a very profound question. I'm thinking about a conversation that I've had in therapy around being someone who I want to say takes like great pride and is deeply affected by my environment and specifically mm -hmm. my home or my apartment. Mm -hmm. And I remember looking to move and looking for apartments and mm -hmm automatically saying no to anything that had like a black kitchen just as just an example but there are many more examples mm. like if there were black cupboards I was like I thought oh. that's going to be dark that's going to be depressing my environment is too important to me it has to be white <laughs> mm. I, I I live in an apartment where all of the all of the walls are white uh, my couch is white my bedroom is white everything is cream and neutral And I didn't really think about how important it was to me. I just knew that I, I didn't think I could live in somewhere that was, that had a smell or that, mm. 
had colors that were dark or that didn't feel good to me because I would be deeply affected. My mood would be deeply affected by those colors. Um, the same thing with sort of order or cleanliness. I, I am in distress when there's mm -hmm. mess and I really like things to be clean. And I think that those are values that are attributed mm. a little bit more to women Mm -hmm. Or I'm going to say like gendered norms. Yep. Women are evaluated and valued more when they're able to maintain or keep a home or keep a home clean and that kind mm. of thing. And I remember uh, reading about a study. There were There was a photo of a room that was taken and it was a slightly disorganized room, let's say. And it was shown to groups of people. And some groups of people were told, like, this is John's room. And what do you think about John based on this room? And then other people were told, this is Jane's room. What do you think about Jane? Mm. And when they thought it was a man, or someone named John, right? When they thought it was a man, this person was you know, an average person, they might be a certain level of confident competence, et cetera, et cetera. When it was Jane, then they perceived Jane to be less competent, less organized. I don't remember all of the qualities exactly, but sh she was perceived worse than John mm -hmm. would, meaning that women are held to a higher standard or we associate how you can see my air quotes here, but how good mm -hmm. a, a woman is based on how she maintains the environment. And so this is something that I haven't had to try to do. It's something that I want anyway. And so it's an example of, I think, sort of a privilege that has come or something that feels natural in that way that I will be... Mm -hmm valued more or perceived better because of the way I maintain my space when really it has nothing to do with any of those things. It just happens to be that I have less tolerance mm -hmm. <laughs> for a variety of environments. I have a more narrow range of what I feel comfortable in. I appreciate that perspective of how you feel that your sensitivity is serving you in feeding this narrative even though that's not what you're trying to do even though you don't agree with it mm -hmm. that the perception your general perception as a woman as society views it will it will contribute to a general understanding or a general thought that you might be perceived as more intelligent more put together just more as you were saying mm -hmm. earlier not less because of your, the attributes that are perceived as more feminine and more desirable in a woman. And it's very interesting that on the opposite, emotions like anger, assertiveness, are not as desirable in women as sensitivity is, care is, nurturing, all of these traits or behaviors that we seek or that we expect women to have, motherly natures, things like that. Mm -hmm. If women don't 
express those, then something's wrong with them. It's, it's baseline. That's what this is mm-hmm. going on. We're not um, saying we agree with it at all. Yeah. Oh, girl. <laughs> girl. Oh, girl. Oh, <laughs> uh, I think we, the conversation's going to go somewhere soon. Mm-hmm. Um, I have very strong feelings about um, the entire discourse. Yeah, go there. Go there. Okay. Well, when I was thinking about this episode, I was thinking about many things, as my brain does. <laughs> and I was getting quite overwhelmed, to be honest with you, because this topic or this intersection of topic touches on so many things. And one of the things is feminism. Mm. And then when you start thinking about feminism, for me, my journey to understanding and learning about feminism was also about, for me, repairing my relationship with myself and my process of repairing my relationship with my sensitivity and repairing my relationship with men repairing my relationship with and understanding that it also needs to get better for men Hmm. i think it's a big endeavor but i genuinely believe that if we want things to be better for everyone it needs to start getting better for men. And I'm saying this in the context of our topic, which mean, which is about sensitivity and gender, because we live in a Western society here currently, you and me, where the messaging around traditionally we bring up men, the messages around masculinity are not around valuing sensitivity and caring attributes, which is, you know, what we read in that short excerpt at the beginning of that book. Mm -hmm. And that book, by the way, is written by Tom Falkenstein. And he wrote The Highly Sensitive Men. And yes, I am reading that book. <laughs> he, he, he wrote this book for highly sensitive men, but also for people who are around highly sensitive men. And the first chapter is, is devoted to understanding the context into which we're speaking of, which is why do we need to care about our current context? And it is that we still live in a world where we don't value caring and warm and sensitive and softer attributes and personality traits in men. That's not what we qualify. And that I'm quoting from his book, Manly Men. And mm-hmm. there's been like, like, we could go back to even what he's explaining in the book, a, a whole shift. And this dates from the earlier 20th century with the rise in the 
in the wars in Europe and where, you know, there was a whole culture shift around what we needed from, from men at that point, because before that there was a different expectation put on men and there was a different, um, perception of what being a man meant and what was desirable back, back in that previous era. But one of the things that I know I can say is because sensitivity is highly attributed to a feminine quality. There's a whole thing to unpack here and we're not, we're not doing a, a podcast on social justice issues, although they're a big part of all conversations. And this is a kind of question that we wanted to ask ourselves and to explore because why is, why is sensitivity? It's, it's a personality trait. That's it. It has no gender mm -hmm. at, at its essence. So that's what the research actually shows is that sensitivity exists equally amongst men and women. However, the reason why we may feel like women might be more sensitive than men, and I'm using air quotes, so you just can't see them, <laughs> is because there is a difference in the acceptance of the expression of the trait, not in having the trait. Mm -hmm. Which means that if I'm hearing that correctly, that it's men who are more likely to suffer mm -hmm. because it isn't as accepted to be who they are or express that sensitivity. Exactly. And that's what the whole book from, from Tom Falkenstein is very much about because uh, in his book, he's trying to bring forward the idea that highly sensitive men are actually very valuable, just like anybody else, of course, but very valuable because we need, we need highly sensitive people. We need sensitive people. That ability to take time before making a big decision, but that also that ability to not be afraid to make a big decision by considering other people's feelings and emotions and engaging in those conversations. I really like what they said in this, uh, in the book where there was a, a psychologist in Britain that talked about the traditional rules of masculinity that we're putting uh, an amount of pressure on men to think, feel, and behave in a certain way. And the psychologist called Martin Seeger. And he was saying that the, a summary of the rules were, one, a real man is a fighter and a winner. Mm. Two, a real man is a provider and a protector of women and children. <laughs> And then three, a real man is controlled and disciplined. And then what these psychologists did was to challenge these rules of masculinity, in their quote, 
to make them more malleable so that sensitivity had a place in all of that mm. to make sure that these social expectations are not going to disappear overnight and it's we still need to be able to function and feel like we belong and feel accepted but that if we were able to broaden our expectations and how we apply these rules then what could that look like and how could that benefit everyone not just men oh but absolutely yeah right? of course of course so, and i i heard that you had some reaction to what i was saying <laughs> <laughs> what did no. you feel i think you know we all have something to gain i mean the world has something to gain when when people are free to be more themselves mm -hmm. exactly everybody does and that, that that's also what they say in here right yeah and so some of the way they were challenging that was saying like providing for others could also mean pro providing for them at an emotional level yes instead of just a financial and physical one mm-hmm Ask me about that. I'll tell you how I feel. <laughs> Say more, I guess. Say more. Mm. <laughs> mm. Girl, I can pay for my own stuff. That's how I feel about that. I don't I don't need to feel owned. I wanna feel trusted. I wanna feel listened to. I wanna feel accepted. And I want to feel like I can do that for you too. If, uh, and the, the first one was a real man is a fighter and a winner. Then, you know, again, if we think about the context of how our society evolved since the start of the 20th century with wars and where all of those new rules of masculine and rules i'm saying all of this in air quotes right because no one like wrote this somewhere and then it was like follow this but expecting people to fight and and win all of these this language what does contemporary form of masculine fighting look like in the 21st century sadly we're recording this in a time that is not great for this uh example mm -hmm. But how about fighting for something that matters to you? How about fighting for a good cause? How about fighting for your family and your relationship? Mm -hmm. And even, I know we said language later, but even the language of fighting for, can yeah. that be striving for? Can that be working towards? Love that. Could success, so winning. Could success also mean having close and emotionally satisfying relationship with other people, leading to long psychologically and physically healthy lives and having a career that gives your life meaning. If the only definition of success is status, if professional and sexual success only relates to material wealth, then that can only lead to a situation in which most of us don't feel successful and our attempts to become real men in their society are going to falter and eventually fail. 
So I'm quoting, of course, from the book, The Highly Sensitive Man here. Mm-hmm. This is something that concerns us all, I believe. So I have a quote that I would love to share. Yeah, I've just been speaking. I'm just going off on this one. <laughs> well, I think it makes so much sense that this would be First of all, an emotional topic because it's so important and also an emotional topic for us because, <laughs> you know, I, I like this analogy that sensitivity is like the volume button on yeah. pretty much life. And so it means that the volume on emotion is turned higher and sadness is really sad and happiness is really happy yeah, and exactly. passion is just really passionate and mm. reflection is deep and you know it, it makes sense that you have lots of feelings about that and lots of thoughts about that because it affects all of us and it is having this really big impact on the world right now mm-hmm. there's a quote that i wanted to share which is that Uh, it says, societies that ultimately succeed and flourish are ones that honor both the aggressive warriors and the sensitive advisors. And I like the statement because it's, I'm going to say it's not a gendered statement in and of itself. It really speaks to the spectrum of kind of qualities and characteristics in terms of we need the people who feel their best and who feel like warriors and who who are more aggressive mm-hmm. or assertive or mm-hmm. we need this as much as we need the sensitive reflector reflective kind of wise advisor roles in society mm-hmm. as well mm-hmm. and so i think to celebrate that diversity is where we'll have right. i almost want to imagine sort of like the richest society and it doesn't have to be that there's genders or sexes that have to be one and gender and sexes that have to be the other but there's so much more complexity and fluidity in there totally agree and diversity means a lot of different things right there's diversity and identity and then there can be diversity and like we are there's diversity in our abilities there's diversity in personality and thank goodness for that how boring would it be if we were all the same flavor of candy boring (laughs) i don't want i don't want to eat the same thing all day like no thank you maybe that was a bad analogy but you know what i mean Hmm. it's we need different people to be different things to accomplish different things in our lives I mean, it just reminds me of when, (laughs) when I was trying to find a career, people would ask me when I was younger, what do you want to do when you grow up? And then at the time I wanted to be an artist, I wanted to be in, in cinema and theater. So I was like, oh, that's what I want to do. And people just couldn't not have a judgment. And I was like, well, what do you want to do? And then they were like, oh, I want to be a engineer or a lawyer or a teacher like I don't know something else and then I was like cool that's great that you want to do that 
because we need people that want to do that. And I sure don't want to do that. So I'm glad you, you do. <laughs> and I'm like, why can't you just be happy for me that I want to be doing something that like, you're going to be happy somebody in society wants to do that. So why do you have to diss me, you know? Mm. But all that to say that diversity is important and should be encouraged and valued and celebrated. Mm-hmm. And that within our gender identities and our personality traits, and that one person is multidimensional. So yes, a person who is sensitive can also be assertive mm-hmm. and can also be angry sometimes. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like things are not mutually exclusive. I think that nuancing within terms is also extremely important that's i think that's one of the ways that i've experienced sensitivity as a woman was also um how it often served me just like you were talking about anna in the fact that being caring and empathetic was desirable as a woman but then it was also something that made me feel very uh vulnerable and very mm-hmm. raw and i also felt like if i was like that i couldn't be another way like could i also be mm-hmm. strong and could i also be assertive and could i also be angry i think uh, my experience of anger has been very complicated growing up with being sensitive because i i think i didn't feel anger for a very long time and then mm-hmm. I reached some point in my 20s where I was like, "Mm." (laughs) (laughs) but can we talk about this, y'all? Tell us us about it. (laughs) Because I think this is like the the beautiful kind of flip side of we're talking about how femininity and sensitivity has sort of when they overlap has served us. And I think bringing up anger and how. My my experience is very similar to yours, I guess, in the sense that I have not been able to tap into anger for so long in the sense because mm-hmm. anger, I think, has been typically viewed more in the masculine or acceptable as a masculine emotion and is not very becoming for the divine, feminine, soft, nurturing <laughs> kind of portrayal of femininity that's more valued and so I also think that or have experienced this idea that anger is not I've sort of like learned and internalized that anger is not well received when it comes from me and it's a a process of coming to accept that anger isn't this terrible emotion that I'm never supposed to feel and it can Mm -hmm play a really protective role it can it can serve us to feel the emotion of anger it doesn't mean we want to hurt other people or anything Mm -hmm. like this but it means that it's okay to feel angry too so the the opposite (laughs) sort of the mirror works as well and i'm really glad that you mentioned that because i think that's something to bring up that everybody suffers i think when there's some emotions that are acceptable for for some categories of people and other 
emotions that are acceptable for others. And if we don't have access to this full range, then we're not reaching our full potential if we can freely feel and express all of what's coming naturally. Mm-hmm. Yeah. The title of our podcast, which is, I mean, it's the sensitive shift mm-hmm. pod because we're in this place of shift. We're in this place of transitioning. We're in this place of growth. We're in this process of shifting our own perceptions yes of this trait and our sort of subtitle is reimagining <laughs> reimagining this hsp perspectives which i think is also so accurate for today's conversation and just where we are i don't think we're coming here with this expert hat on of knowing mm. all of the answers at all at all at all this is sort of our journey yeah. and we're yeah. We're right in the middle of it, really. What do you say we go into our myth busting, which will be quite obvious? <laughs> yes. Um, <laughs> so we can do that and invite all of you once again to play with us every every other week, every other week on our social media please follow subscribe like i don't know what these people say these days <laughs> at sensitive shift pod you ready yes myth busting we have two myths to bust today <laughs> true or false women constitute a bigger percentage of hsps false <laughs> Well, as we we just spoke about all of this, of course, but a very brief summary. Dr. Erin, she's been doing a lot of that research, but she says that the percentage is found to be quite equal in what we traditionally identify as women and men. Um, a caveat here is that a lot of that research excludes gender diversity in the broader spectrum, so we just want to be mindful of that. Uh, we've seen during this podcast that the perception that women might be more sensitive than men comes from a lot of sources that include cultural, societal, and gender norms and their comfortability in identifying and exp- identifying with and expressing this trait. But it is, in fact, a myth. Okay, Anna, myth number two. Sensitivity is a weakness in men 100 percent false so <laughs> i think we know we know this by now um but sensitivity as elaine aaron says is it's too prevalent it's too present in the population 20 percent all across the gender spectrum, it's too prevalent for it to be considered a disadvantage or a weakness. And although I think we have a lot of room to grow in terms of acceptance of this trait across the gender spectrum and the valuing of the trait, 
we have a lot to gain as a society when we recognize the strengths in this trait as well. It's time for our HSP Minute. How did or how will you nurture your sensitivity this week? So let's think about it and set intentions together. Hmm. I'll say that uh, just really giving myself permission to feel and mm-hmm. I want to say the opposite of, of suppressing emotions, which is so relevant for the discussion we had today. <laughs> Absolutely. Uh, I think I cried every day last week and I, I allowed that to, to happen. And I think if it needs to continue, it will continue. We're in a phase of accepting that there's some things that are just really hard and it's okay to be affected or deeply affected by those things and to reach out for help if I need. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And I like that what you just ended with to reach out to help if I need. We didn't, we didn't even talk about that in the podcast, but we are more likely because we feel like we can be more of acceptance with what we struggle with, with how we're impacted by our emotions to reach out for help than other people of other gender might, might feel like they can. Yeah. So we also want to acknowledge that whoever you are, and if you're listening, your emotions are valid. Your sensitivity is valid. Your struggles are valid. And we please ask you to ask for help if you need help. And it doesn't matter what for, your struggles are valid. At the time we're recording this, we just started our Instagram <clears throat> for our podcast this past week. And so I've had to be back on the platform. I was out of there for a year, almost. And so I've had a lot of uh, uh, feelings <laughs> um, that came up with being back on the platform. I've been doing like a lot of cleaning <laughs> mm-hmm. and cleansing um, of my own account and so I'm, I'm just trying to be very um, mindful. So navigating the next week with intention and um, pausing and checking mm-hmm. <laughs> is going to be a good one for me this week. Yeah, checking in. So we're, we are ending the note with a final disclaimer that we're discussing contents that are related to personal wellness, our own experiences, of course. Uh, none of this is advice. And I want to acknowledge again, we want to acknowledge again that each person and each experience is different. So if you're looking for specific support, then please consider one-on-one professional support that will be individualized to you. Thank you again for listening, for joining us, for being on this journey with us. And see you next time. Thank you. Bye.